listening to that Jesus podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of that Jesus podcast. I'm <laughs> you guys. The reason the reason why I'm laughing right now is because this is like our third, my third take at introducing this show, and and my guys are are making fun of me right now. Notice how I called you two my guys. That's in a condescending way which is sort of my way of retaliating for you making fun of my failed attempts at getting this podcast rolling. I'm back after a little bit of a hiatus, and I'm joined today by my one guy, Drew Latin. How are you doing? <laughs> I was doing great until the third take. <laughs> We're also joined today by Patrick Schrock, who attempted to undermine my authority and my position as host on this show um, for the last two episodes, and our our conversation today is non-resistant, so I wanted to show him that I, I forgive him and love him in spite of that, and that's why I've decided to heap coals on, of, of fire on his head by allowing him back on the show. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. It's good to be here. My head is on fire right now, but I feel loved. Absolutely, and, and, and another reason why we invited him back on is because, you know, we like what Patrick has to say, but even more than that, we like hearing him say it. You know, Patrick's got this really honeyed, smooth voice that just really, really takes away all of our anxiety and especially the whole, hmm, yeah, you know, that that was just a real blessing on the previous two episodes. And so uh, even if you don't really say anything else, if you could just respond to everything we say with that nice, deep, honeyed uh, affirmation, we would really appreciate that. I'll be your yes man. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, especially yeah. for the stupid parts so it doesn't look as stupid. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see what hot takes you have, but I'll do my best. Well, today we're going to be doing another after show uh, about the conversation we had with Dean, and we're going to be getting into some of those ideas about civility and nonviolence, Um but first of all, anything new happening in your life, Drew? Oh, there are always fun new things. Starting summer school in a couple of weeks, going on vacation next week. But I'm actually mostly interested in the new things that have been happening with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have three babies. And the, the, the twins have started screaming a little more. You know how like in the first week they just sleep and eat and Even do something else that shall not be endearing. named? Yes, the first week their screams are not as loud, yeah. um, and they're it's 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 pretty great. Second week, you know, they're starting to learn that when they scream, that they generally get the results they're looking for, and so there's quite a bit of that going on. My my one year old child training all... program is going very well. They're getting you trained in. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, my one year old <laughs> Zion, who's well, he's turning one on the twenty first. Is also, I think, feeling a little bit of the the jealousy thing that that goes on when you have new babies. Even though he's like hardly old enough to to know what that is, I, I think he is actually experiencing it. So things are a little crazy. But Brenda's little sister Elizabeth is living here with us, and so she's been making shout it out to Elizabeth for us to survive. Shout out to Elizabeth. What are your babies' names, Titus? Their names are Sebastian and Malachi. Malachi is spelled with K A I at the end because we wanted to name him Kai, 
but I wanted to give him a name that was more than one syllable, so we decided to name him Malachi, uh, but we'll be calling him Kai. So is there any deep eschatological reason that you chose the last book of the Old Testament? Is this like, is he going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and vice versa? Or, or, or what do you think? No, the only reason was is because we wanted to name him Kai and we didn't want him to have a one-syllable name. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with 13 uh... brothers and sisters and it was fun to watch kind of name the name trends in my own family shift from, oh, whatever random name we really like to like, let's make these really important biblical name decisions to, you know what, whatever name we like, there are kids. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we have such a hard time naming our well, our boys, which is all we've had. We we have all these girl names that would be perfect, but now we have three boys, and like for months and months, we were trying to figure out the second name, Sebastian. And the morning that we induced in the hospital, we finally decided upon Sebastian, and we're actually pretty happy with his name, so it worked out. It sounds sophisticated. Yeah, Johann Sebastian Bach. Exactly. It was also he was also a saint who I think was an emperor, maybe. So oh. probably not the good kind of saint. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. I need to do. Maybe I should Google who Sebastian was. Um, anyways, Patrick, where are you right now? I am at Faith Builders College Student Weekend uh, in an old stone mansion in a little closet. Um, but it's a really great weekend. There's a lot. It's a different type of young Mennonites than what you would meet at a different, um, most of them are planning to go to college, in college, or have finished. Um, it's a really fun group. Patrick is our actual real token Mennonite here. Titus is a Mennonite gone astray, and I'm a wannabe Mennonite, but but Patrick is both by birth and by choice a Mennonite. So, And he's at Faith Builder, so you can't get more intellectual Mennonite mm. dark web than that. It's yeah. amazing. We're completely validated by your presence, Patrick. <laughs> oh dear. I do like the term token hire in this situation, but uh it is kind of interesting. I just got done listening to a lecture on literature and hierarchies and equality by a woman in a cape dress. So that didn't feel very Mennonite to me, but it was good and I liked it. That's fantastic. Well, Drew, what do you want to talk about in relation to what Mr. Dean shared with us last episode? Or not last episode, the episode before that. Yeah, we got it all all messed up. And you, hopefully... you got it all messed up. <laughs> We're a community here, Titus. A community. We messed up together. Okay. I showed up and Drew took apart. it off the rails. <laughs> um I think I think for both of us, Titus, it really stood out. And this isn't what the focus of the podcast was supposed to be about, but talking with Dean about civility around non-resistance and more broadly around those who disagree with us. How do we have civil conversations? For me personally, I've often, and I know this will be a shocker to some of you, I've often asked questions um, out of the goodness of my heart and the curiosity of my soul that people ended up feeling threatened by. And mm -hmm. so what I came away from the conversation with Dean was, how can we be more civil in our interactions and how can we avoid feeling threatened when people ask us questions about what we believe, what we think, what we practice? And Dean touched on that some, but I think it'd be good to kind of circle back to that. How about you, Patrick? Uh, I'm assuming you listened to the episode. 
<laughs> yes, I did. It was a little while ago. It's almost gotten a little fuzzy, but the one standout thing it wasn't as much about non-resistance, but about support systems within missionaries uh, meant a lot to me um, just because that's something that's important with my own life. Like local family does a lot to enable me in just social interactions and friends I have around home. Um, that's important for me to remember not elevating just one position that gets maybe a bit more attention and feels like the actual work when we're all having our hands held up by others. Yeah. One thing that was pretty convicting to me, as cliche as that sounds, is when he said that we put the president in the best possible light. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I think that came from a place of what he called security in his two kingdom theology. Mm -hmm. Because he's so secure in his allegiance to the nation of Jesus and isn't concerned about Babylon's, um, you know, culture wars, he's able to do that. And and it's not, Mm -hmm. it's obvious that he doesn't support the president, that he doesn't vote for the president, that he's not a Trump, Trumpian court evangelical. But because, because of that security of, of where he's at there, he's able to, to put Trump in the, in the best possible light and not to always try to be tearing him down. And I think that's something that I at least can learn from. The problem is that everything has to be so binary, so polarized. And it's like, if you don't say every single time you say something positive about president Trump, you have to say how unbiblical he is and how you have no allegiance to him and on and on. Because if you don't say that, then people will question your orthodoxy and and vice versa with the the conservative um, Trump loving types. It's somebody I I forget who I was listening to or what book I was reading, but somebody said the problem with being a theologian is that you have to say everything every single time all the time. And if you ever don't say everything every single time all the time, people will assume that you actually have heretical beliefs about everything you didn't say. And that's just not conducive to community. It's not conducive to good communication. Yeah. I have to assume you know the counterpoints to the point you just gave or the nuances to it. Yeah. But if we if we insist on nuancing every single thing and explaining in every single point what we don't what we aren't saying, we'll never communicate. We'll never actually talk. If I say Donald Trump is God's man for president of the United States. I can actually say that. And I actually believe that. (laughs) But if I don't nuance that very carefully, you know, people are going to think that I'm a a Trumpkin. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, that's because of the cultural moment that we're in where white evangelicals are supporting Trump and they're using that exact phrase. So I think there obviously are situations where we, we do need to qualify what we say. Um, but I think the temptation can be for us who are reacting toward that evangelical support for him it to just like always be bashing him, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and that's, that's basically what the left is doing, right? I mean, the, in some ways the reaction to Trump from the left is almost as crazy as Trump is himself. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's unbelievable how much they hate him. Um, I think they call it Trump derangement syndrome, which I've been accused of having. (laughs) And that can be a way to write off people with real concerns about him. But I think there is something to that reaction that isn't necessarily always healthy. 
Yeah, the only thing more more contagious than COVID-19 is Trump derangement syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) And you touched on a really good point earlier about how, as Christians, we don't need to feel threatened by him. He can be be twice as nuts, and we still wouldn't have to be shaken in our souls. Mm -hmm. And I also have to shout out that prayer at the end. That was one of the most moving things I've heard in relation to politics, usually. Yeah. It, it did something to my heart to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk also about just civility in our discourse in general, especially on social media. I was just talking to my older brother about this this morning, and I'm just, at this point, I'm not sure how useful social and cultural and political debates are on Facebook. Um, and I go back and forth on this. And it's kind of a cliche to say that politics on Facebook is doesn't change anyone's mind, and you know why do we do it? And it's low hanging fruit. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying anything new here, but if we're gonna if our goal is to make disciples of Jesus, and our goal is to encourage believers and build His kingdom, like if that's our north star is putting all this energy into these Facebook battles really, really accomplishing that goal? Um, I know it, it tends to build a culture that has a lot in common. So, you know, there's quite a, a few people I've met on social media who I, I feel like I have close relationships with even um, because of what we stand for and what we stand against culturally and socially and so there is something about building that community, but sometimes I fear that we're building a community around what we're against and what mm-hmm. we're angry about mm-hmm. rather than a healthy community. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? I am someone who has had my perspective shifted a little bit by culture, like even with even by internet um, conversation and debates. And, and I've talked to a few other people, like even here at this College Student Weekend, who our time online has shifted our social and political views um, away from some of the hardline ideologies in one extreme or that usually more right-wing extreme. Um, So I would maybe be a little bit more sympathetic to it, but it definitely does vary personally. Like you debate more on Facebook than I do. I'd be more of an observer and I do enjoy that role. You're saying, Patrick, that you don't think that for you it's very healthy to be a debater online, but you sure don't want the guys who do it to stop because of the entertainment value. <laughs> Pretty much. I love those memes. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm not to say it's totally useless, but if it's if like obviously social media has a negative effect on mental health for a lot of people, and if getting in these debates is making you stressed and anxious. Please stop. I will go watch debates somewhere else. Um, <laughs> and I think we can choose the voices we listen to in a public, the public square. We can curate what we see. And there's a lot of debaters that are, it's a, it's a waste of your time to watch. I think you can curate good discussion through Facebook mm-hmm. while being aware of toxic debates. Titus, I I think I agree with you for the most part, and I'll push back in three points. But the first point is is actually to agree with you, so it's not pushback, (laughs) is to say 
if you're finding yourself that it's unhealthy, if you're finding that it's, it's not conducive to godliness, then you should stop. And I feel like maybe what you're saying is, well, duh, and it's not conducive to godliness or mental health for any of us. So we should all just stop. And, and that's where I would, I too have experienced a lot of exposure to new ideas and confirmation of ideas that I had that I couldn't find elsewhere. And so you can maybe call it, you know, Facebook enabled confirmation bias. But as I'm, as I've interacted with people online, it's been really strengthening something. I believe something that's important to me for somebody else to say, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I agree with you and I can actually articulate it better than you. And I read that and I appreciate it and it strengthens where I'm coming from, where I believe God is calling me to. I mean, <laughs> frankly, Titus, this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for social media, because True. that's really where yeah. you and I got to know each other. So the, the second point, I totally forgot. <laughs> um, give me a second. Well, let me address that first point. I actually don't, I don't actually think that it's not good for everybody and i'm i'm wrestling with whether or not it's even not good for me because and and now we're we're getting really personal here but Mm -hmm. i've struggled a lot with an oversensitive conscience especially as a teen like just extremely oversensitive conscience just tons of guilt when i didn't need to have guilt and i i still struggle with that and so sometimes i wonder if that's what my guilt surrounding my use of social media is. And it's really hard for me to separate that from the spirit of God convicting me. Mm-hmm. So um, Pastor Drew, can, can you counsel me? <laughs> oh my, I was going to ask you, <laughs> is your guilt around how much time you spend on it or the way you communicate? Both. Um, yeah. Because I have guilt around how much time I spend on it. I don't really feel for the most part, I don't feel, I feel like I'm trying to do my part to make it healthy communication. Yeah. You're not mean on Facebook at all. And, um, part of what I, I do, don't have as many followers as you do either. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I really have followers. Uh, part of what I do though, is like, I'm, I'm thinking about a certain topic. So here's an example. I was thinking about the statues and how they're being torn down and I, I get myself sort of worked up about something because I feel like, okay, the Christian perspective on this is clear. And mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll, and then I'll think of like a pithy little two sentence statement that captures what I'm trying to do. And I'll go post it on social media. And like 80 comments later, I'm like, maybe that was a bad idea. Maybe that was a good idea. It made people angry, but maybe they needed to be made angry because they're wrong. You know? Um, so that's where I'm coming back to you, Pastor, and asking you to help me understand if, if this actually is wrong. Is, is this actually tearing down the kingdom, or is it building up, or is it some strange mixture of both? I think that, biblically speaking, there are lots of cases where there are Old Testament prophets railing against a blind world that was ignoring the truth. Yeah. And so I can see you know social media is kind of being like like a jeremiah or ezekiel or isaiah pulpit with that said practically anytime somebody says i'm like one of the old testament prophets <laughs> i'm like okay it's i'm not heading good out news. <laughs> I, I mean but really i'm 
yeah I, as soon as you go to justify yourself by saying you know i'm a jeremiah you know you have the uh, yeah. you have the word jeremiad which and you're is one all- of those you're you're one of those people when you start doing that well and and like part of me wants to say well if you're going to be a jeremiah then own it but i've really not known anybody that can do that gracefully and do that in a new covenant jesus loving beatitude sort of way I'm not saying it's not possible, but practically speaking, I'm, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have had really good interactions and learned a lot from Facebook comment sections. 70, 80% of the time, it's been a waste of time. It's been fun. It's been frustrating. It's been totally just talking past each other. And I leave saying... These guys just won't listen to common sense. These guys refuse to actually play fair by the rules of the English language. And they're probably saying the same thing about me on the other end of their keyboards. They're probably not thinking that um, deeply <laughs> about it, actually. But, but another thing that I I've, was talking to my brother about is, so there are spiritual powers in the world. And I think that these spiritual powers are closely connected to to power structures, to political power structures, and to political ideologies. And I believe Paul talks about elementary spirits of the world. I don't know what the Greek word is that is translated elementary and why we use that English word, but there are these spiritual powers that their goal is to divide and cause hatred. And I think that's what's happening in America, especially right now. And so when when we get angry about, say, Christian support of Trump, and we have righteous indignation about that, so we go online and go on a war path against that. Are we are we fighting those spirits that are dividing America by calling the church away from from allegiance to an ideology that is run by those spirits, or are we playing into the agenda of those spirits by by creating more chaos? and more anger and more rage and and especially if our rhetoric you know starts just lining up with the left's anger for against trump you know mm-hmm. yeah i see what you're saying like you can maybe take something like healthcare. i believe there's an element of both sides who want to help with human suffering like someone who wants universal health care wants that sort of end human suffering and a little bit for the other side too they believe it'll be more human suffering with it. But if the devil can get people to be calling each other antichrist over that argument, he has won regardless of the actual issue here. Is that what you're saying? That it's like the spirit of division is where the devil's working, maybe even not as much in the actual issues. I think so. And even in the Old Testament, Michael Heiser talks about how the nations were turned over to lesser spiritual beings and they were actually running those nations. And I think there really is, I'm, I'm trying to think of like New Testament scriptures that would bear that out as well, but I, I do think that's a, a biblical theme that a lot of these power structures literally are run by Satan and by his minions and the nation of Jesus is run by Jesus. And, and these these are sort of like warring factions and warring ideologies. And now I'm getting very like 
Now I'm I'm doing some speculation. <laughs> I'm doing some very I'm doing a lot of speculation here. Um, I I don't have like proof for this. It's just a hunch I have, and Drew is being triggered because he doesn't like things that sound charismatic. So uh, <laughs> lay it on me, Drew. What's your problem with what I'm saying? Well, I I'm just saying I didn't sign up for this. I I didn't see this one coming. <laughs> okay, so I get a little bit squeamish when somebody talks about. You know, a spirit of rebellion, a spirit of fear. It's the spirit of Jezebel is what I'm talking <laughs> about. Boom, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it, it, and I'm not denying that, that that's not a thing, but the the scriptural data, the, the biblical support for that is so scanty. I don't want to make my whole paradigm based around spirits. What I see in like Ephesians 2 is... Um, you know, the prince of the power of the air ruling over the sons of disobedient that are working, that's where the spirit is working disobedience. So is this the Satan as a spirit or is it Satan and his minions working in disobedience? But yeah, you and we've all been exposed to conversations on Facebook where somebody's claiming that those who are protesting the death of George Floyd have a spirit of rebellion and we need to rebuke this evil spirit of rebellion. And people have said that if someone speaks against the Lord's anointed, Donald Trump, they have a spirit of rebellion. And I've heard similar rhetoric from those who would like really not get a kick out of Donald Trump, the sort of kingdom Christian types. That's why I kind of cringe a little bit at this spirit idea, because I'm like, I think we can keep it a little bit simpler and just say Satan's a bad guy and he has spiritual influence. And yeah, maybe there are demons wandering around. I mean, I know there are, but I don't see a lot of evidence that I'm supposed to be like casting like demons out or whatever. But I need to be walking in awareness of these influences. Satan bad, demons bad, being nice, good. <clears throat> yeah. But then like doesn't seems a little bit scary to like say Trump when he does something obviously morally wrong and say that's demonic. That doesn't that seems a little strong to me. I guess this is yeah spiritual warfare talk that's a little over my head. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong or too strong to say like when Donald Trump speaks with hatred toward his political enemies like it is actually in my mind demonic to do that. And it's actually demonic some of this Trump derangement syndrome in a certain sense and and now I'm blowing Titus's mind. Trump derangement syndrome, some of that almost does feel demonic too. But mm-hmm. if I say demonic, because that terminology has been so twisted and warped. It's been weaponized. Wep, thank you. <laughs> exactly. Since it's been so weaponized, I'm reluctant to use that terminology. I'm also reluctant, again, because I don't see a lot of biblical support pointing to speaking against the demonic powers. Instead, we're supposed to bear fruits of the Spirit. And if demonic powers are obviously controlling someone, there's plenty of biblical data that would lead us to exercise that demon from the person. But like rebuking, like Paul didn't go into a new area and and rebuke all the spirits that had control over that area, or he didn't rebuke the spirit that was controlling Caesar. I mean, he did, he cast demons out of people who were oppressed. You have Simon the sorcerer, right? And it says something about him being in the bonds of iniquity or something like that. Um, I have to, I just have to plead ignorance here. I can, I can say what the Bible says about Jesus casting out demons and a few other times where it happened in the book of acts. 
I don't see, I don't really think there are many examples in the New Testament texts about how we're supposed to live our lives that talk much about casting out demons. I mean, um, then we the ending of Mark, I guess <laughs> yeah, if you grant the, the ending of Mark. Ending of Mark. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, Jesus, when he sent his apostles out, he gave the them 70. authority over demons. Yep. Yeah, when he sent them. Mm-hmm. And so I guess if you if you see that as just specific to that time, we, we had this conversation already. <laughs> Go back to the Speaking in Tongues episode. I thoroughly refuted Drew's oh, yeah. position on, on the supernatural. Um, so let's not get into that again. But but, I, have to, I have to just pause for one second. Titus and interject that areas that I'm not, I feel like scripture aren't clear on. I'm not going to be dogmatic one way or the other. So if I was in a situation, my problem is like, okay, if I'm in a situation where I feel like there's demonic possession, I totally want to be open to that. I totally want to be open to saying, you want to be open to the <laughs> <yes>. demonic. <laughs> you got it on tape. <laughs> I want to be open to that actually being a thing. And I need to take steps in faith to rebuke that. Okay. Uh-huh. And so that's why I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying I want to, I want to be ready to step up and do that and not be so skeptical and intellectual that I reject it. Have either of you guys ever been in a situation like that? No. I'm going to play the fifth. Yeah. I mean, my Indian friends who are taking the gospel in, to unreached areas describe a lot of that. Yeah. Um. And so I think it, in certain settings, you're going to experience it more depending on what kind of evangelistic work you're doing. There were a couple people that I worked with in Southeast Asia. I felt like they were under demonic control, possibly. But I also thought maybe this is just mental illness. Yeah. And, and it often I don't, is. Yeah, I don't mean that as a cliche to say, oh, all the demonic activity is just mental illness. And we could talk about mental illness sometimes is caught, like the manifestation that we see, the physiological manifestation we see is actually sometimes rooted in in demonic influence. But that gets really dicey because so many people have been abused in that situation. And so many people have had their genuine physiological concerns dismissed as as something that they did and i really want to stay away from that so including me um i think i've told you this and yeah since i'm being vulnerable on this episode (laughs) i used to struggle not only with guilt but with uh, with a lot of depression that stemmed from that guilt Mm -hmm. extreme depression and anxiety and it got very bad to the point where i thought i had a demon and there was this exorcist in oklahoma some mennonites in kansas i think had been connected with some beaches Uh, out there okay and um i had family out there so they connected me with him and i'm trying to think i think i was an older teen at this point um and i got on a plane and i flew all the way to oklahoma to have him cast this demon out of me because i was very desperate and i got there and he he does his thing, and I didn't respond. I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't make anything up. <laughs> there just wasn't a demon in me. And then he started getting angry. Yeah, like no lie, he was getting mad at me. I think he even cussed at me. <laughs> this fame, this Christian exorcist. Oh, it it totally messed me up even more. Um, and 
it was a, a, a epic fail. And so I flew back to Virginia. And over the next couple years, I, the way I got out of depression, and I'm I'm free from depression right now. It's it's a, you know when you're in in that kind of um, just horrible mental anguish, you know it's it's unlike any other kind of suffering in my opinion. It's it's really really terrible. Um, and I've been able to get out of it, which is amazing. I'm so thankful to God for that. But the way I got out of it was not by exorcism, and it wasn't even by meds. I'm not on any meds right now. I tried meds, and they didn't really help me. But I, I basically, without knowing what it was, applied uh, the principles of cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. um, and basically re- rewired the neurons in my brain to not function like that. Um, and so that's what helped me. And that's not what's going to help, you know, everybody. Some people need to be on meds and there's no stig, there should be no stigma attached to that. And some people do have demons that need to be cast out. So I think that it's all, it's a combination of, of factors that play with people in those situations. And there's, there should be a combination of techniques used to, to help people when they're in situations like this. How in the world did we get to this? This is not what we are going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we have we need to have an episode where we interview Titus on his journey towards mental health and stuff. That was a good story, though. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I mean, no, I've it is a very complicated um, journey that I went through, mostly like in my teen years and somewhat early twenties. But I know a lot of people are suffering from depression and I think the stigma is being somewhat removed from it people are more open to talking about it but there just needs to be a lot more openness about it um, especially in the age of social media once again a stereotype social media causes depression but it's I think it's a true a true cliche um, and so yeah we need to do an episode on that at some point maybe get someone actually qualified on to <laughs> talk about it also it does kind of fit in or maybe circling back to this politics things because some of the shrillness of the arguing is maybe a little bit of mental unhealth like so much anxiety that the other side is going to destroy your way of life um or take away your family or give you the mark of the beast or something like that um what does it mean to be loving our neighbors um that are in a unhealthy state of an unhealthy mental state concerning the talk of the times yeah what we shouldn't be doing is we shouldn't be arguing with them if they are trump hating npr listening liberals rather than saying oh well trump isn't that bad and getting into a discussion about tax rates on the rich we need to acknowledge like my, my my calling as a kingdom Christian is to say, I am sorry this is hard for you. I'm sorry this is tough. I'm really glad I didn't vote for Donald Trump because even though I have friends that did, because if they've actually asked me if I did, yeah. and I'm like, no, I didn't. And I'm showing that I care for them. I'm acting as a third party showing care. And frankly, the same should be done for the quote unquote conservative bro Trumpkins. They're operating Mm -hmm. out of fear too. They're operating out of concern. Wearing a COVID mask scares them. And we need to hear that without without compromising where the truth is. We should actually hear them in a personal way and and hear their hurt. 
Yeah, you know, it's so it's so interesting. I, one day, as I was working, I listened to a podcast by, well, I was listening actually to, to Joe Rogan and Brett Weinstein, and I stopped listening to it because I got very mad at what Brett Weinstein was saying. But it was basically like this fear of the left and how Marxism is taking over and there's no stopping this, you know, BLM, Antifa, Marxism from destroying America. And then I listened to another show where conservatives, uh, or, sorry, where, where liberals were freaking out about fascist Trump and how he's destroying America. And, and there was the same level of paranoia and fear coming from both of them. And then I came home and a guy from my church who was working on my house comes out and we're talking. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to this, I guess this book about Hitler or whatever. And he was like, you know, it kind of reminds me of some of the things that are going on in America right now. And I was like, yeah, I, I kind of agreed or whatever. <laughs> and and he left and I thought of it. I don't know if he means the left or the right. Like he's the kind of guy where he, he, he might think that some Hitlerish things are going on in America, but I sincerely don't know if he means the left or the right. And I was like, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be the kind of person who can say that I think America is becoming Nazi Germany and, and people don't know whether I mean that the left or the right is, is that fault here. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that That's so on point because it gets back to the question of like spirits and who has the evil spirit. Is it, is it, um, Donald Trump or is it Nancy Pelosi? And as a kingdom Christian, I'm saying there are spiritual forces at work among everybody. One of the few times we have the language, a spirit of in the new Testament, isn't the spirit of Jezebel, though that's there is a spirit of fear. Mm. And so we can rebuke like, <laughs> you know, demonic powers are, um, Oh, I had it all lined up and I forgot. Demonic Was powers. it when Patrick went, mm, is that what <laughs> yeah. made you lose your train of thought? <laughs> I can edit this out. Um, mm. Demonic powers are bipartisan. That's what yes. I was trying to say. They're bipartisan. And so mm. often. Dude, that would make a good Facebook post. Demonic powers are bipartisan or a good tweet. Yeah. And social media and like conservative Mennonite Christians they bring up demonic powers to lambast people who are opposed to Trump. I've seen it over and over again from conservative, prominent, influential Mennonites. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, but it's across the board. Yeah. So that mm -hmm. I'm really comfortable saying that there are spiritual forces at work. I get a little bit skittish when we say there's a spirit at work on the Black Lives Matter protesters or something like that. So, yeah, well... Well, we should wrap up here soon, and we're certainly not going to turn that Jesus podcast into a political show. I do think it is important to cover some of this ground, and, and I'm glad we did. Um, any any sort of final thoughts from either of you as we wrap up here? I'm going to let Patrick have the last word, um, but I really do think that civility does tie very much into the idea of community. I have had to leave communities in part because questions I was asking, this is just one part of it, questions I was asking sincerely made people feel threatened. Questions that I was asking about non-resistance and people are like, oh, so you're not one of us if you don't understand why it's wrong not to vote. And I ended up having to leave that community in part because of that. 
So until we get to the point where we can have civil conversations around our disagreements, where we can ask questions without feeling threatened from the other side, we're not going to have strong communities. So there's a lot more that could be said there, but I think that it's worthwhile thinking about how our tongues, how civility, how we listen to each other builds or tears down community. Yeah, it's a good way to tie it in there. Patrick? Yeah, Drew touched on it a little bit at the end, and it was talked about earlier. Like um, Some of these shrill voices, it's coming from a spirit of fear and anxiety. And I enjoy politics conversations a whole lot, but what I find myself doing often is I you're just waiting for a break in the conversation so I can talk. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. Almost the opposite of the James being swift to listen and slow to speak. Um, And for myself, I think that's a good remember sometimes just to listen to someone's fears um, before I'll answer back um, to understand them better. Um, There definitely is a time to talk and just to let bad thoughts run rampant through the air isn't helpful, but Mm -hmm. um, something I want to try to do better is listening to people's fears and understanding them before Mm -hmm. pouncing on them for having a demonic spirit. (laughs) Or at least an unwoke spirit. Yeah, unwoke spirit is better. (laughs) Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll be back in about a week with another interview. But one thing we want to try to do with that Jesus podcast is create a community around it. We want to hear from our listeners. And so one thing we've been talking about is a way to include some of your voices on the podcast um one way obviously is to bring some of you onto the after show like we brought patrick on but we also thought that it would be great if you know after listening to the interview if you have some thoughts about it or some questions about it record like a a 30 minute a 30 second (laughs) to one not a 30 minute 30 seconds to one minute Maybe it can be longer than that if you have something really good to say, but keep it under two minutes. Record a little voice memo and send it to us, um, and we'll have a link in the show notes of where you can send those voice memos to. Any more information on that, Drew? Yep. Um, um, you can go actually to our website, thatjesuspodcast.com, right? Dot mm-hmm. com, and click on our anchor link there, and then write in your anchor link. Which is link. the subscribe link. Yes, at the subscribe link, you can actually upload your one-minute comment. You can also reach out to me on Facebook or any of us. You can email us. Um, Our emails are on the website. You can WhatsApp me with a message, and that's really easy to handle the audio from. So, Yeah, you cannot WhatsApp me. I do not use WhatsApp. That's right. Titus is being Titus. That's right. Find him on TikTok. Yeah. So yeah, after after our um our interview, our next episode drops with our, our next interview, send us your voice memos. You can also, of course, leave comments on our our Facebook page and and just get get in touch with us, get in touch with other listeners, and we want to kind of build a community around this experience. So thank you guys so much for supporting everything we're doing by listening and sharing it with your friends. Do you think anybody's still listening after that long outro? <laughs> Oh yeah, that long musical outro. What there, there was like two minutes of music after Dean's episode. I thought it was, it was like good. I thought it was a. Minutes. I thought it was an ex, uh, uh, opportunity for people to meditate on the prayer that Dean had just prayed, and and to, um, although the music wasn't very conducive to prayer and meditation, so I'm not sure 
if it had much of a useful function. But <laughs> that that's what happens when when Drew edits podcasts. All right, we need to end this show. Um, we're rambling here, so <laughs> see you guys later. We'll catch you catch you on the next episode. Okay, take God care.